You are now listening to The Real Enneagram, a podcast by the Institute for Conscious Being. To learn more about the Institute and its offerings, visit theicb.info. That's T-H-E-I-C-B dot I-N-F-O. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. Joe Howell and Nanette Moodyum. Well, welcome back to The Real Enneagram, a podcast brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. I'm Nanette Moodyum, and I'm here with Dr. Joseph Howell. Nice to see you, Dr. Joe. Hi, Nanette. Nice to see you today. Well, we're excited today because we're going to talk about a subject that is very near and dear to your heart. We're going to talk about Chapter 12, which is the soul child. And the soul child, I would call really the defining factor of our philosophy at the Institute for Conscious Being. Yeah. It is something that really separates our schools of, of thought from many other schools of thoughts on the Enneagram and might even be why we call this the real Enneagram. <laughs> would you agree, Joe, maybe a little bit that yeah. the soul child is just a really important concept to us? We believe this is foundational to the philosophy of, of the Enneagram for us. Yes, it is. And so I'm excited for you to share with us today, how this philosophy came to be for you. Um, where you, where did you first hear about the soul child from? Well, I first heard about it from my readings of Sandra Maitre in her book, Spiritual Dimension of the Enneagram, Nine Faces of uh, the Soul. And then I began to read more articles on the soul child, she attributes the philosophy of the soul child to her studies with Nerano and also to A.H. Almas, who writes extensively about the soul child. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When uh, I collected all of this information, which is very good, about the different aspects of the soul child, different kinds of soul children. One of one of them, for example, that A.H. Almas speaks of is the libidinal soul child, which is the soul child that is just very connected to libidinal and primal instincts. Okay. okay? And then there are other types of soul children that he goes on to speak about. And my studies in clinical psychology uh, focused on the child and family. I also understood that the child within all of us is a very special component to our personalities. And it is a very special component of who we are on the level of soul. I'd like to go on to explain that, is that Sandra Maitre, who I still study with and am looking forward to being with her and her faculty next month. Okay. But for them, the soul child is just a mental structure, like the ego. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is just a way 
to understand that we came in as a soul and then we put the soul under a crust uh, because the ego came in and that we go on to develop our souls, but we kind of don't refer to the soul child anymore. Okay. I believe we need to refer to the soul child all the time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because unlike Maitri and Almas, I believe that the soul child is not just a static mental structure. I believe it is a living being within all of us. So this idea was originally kind of introduced to you by Maitri and Almas, yeah. but it piqued your attention because you had this background in clinical psychology. But then as you as you've actually worked with the Enneagram and as you've experienced it in your own life, you realize that there was some truth here that you identified that really started to really almost become a revelation for you. Yes. In my studies uh, in graduate school in clinical psychology, there was a book I read called Your Inner Child of the Past by a thinker called Hugh Misseldine. This book put inside of me the idea that we are really not ever far away from that inner child of our past. In fact, that inner child is a palpable being because it's the first part of us that the impressions of the world were made. Mm -hmm. That part of us was our first way to look at life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to say that many of our psychiatric illnesses have come from the inner child's traumas. Okay. That they really did experience. Mm -hmm. And then when I found out about the soul child and the woundings that soul children have, it made perfect coherence with the studies on the inner child of the past that I had read in the psychology context. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to combine the psychology context and the the context of Maitri with the notion that that inside of us we have an essence that must be returned to if we're going to live in any kind of conscious way. Mm -hmm. I believe in a previous podcast I referenced Jesus in Matthew saying there is no way that you can enter the kingdom of heaven unless you become as one of these little children. Mm -hmm. To me, he masterfully put it in non-intellectual terms mm -hmm. that get with your essence and then you can live very differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't get with a static thing that is over with and live in consciousness. Right, okay. But yes. if you go to an alive, palpable thing mm -hmm. within mm -hmm. you and you re-inhabit him mm -hmm. or her, then you have a restorative life force inside of you that actually helps you see the world as you saw it 
without the obstruction of the ego. Mm-hmm. A still present soul child, a yes. still available. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, yes, always with you, with energy. With okay, with mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. and insight mm-hmm. and innocence, truthfulness, love, mm-hmm. humility, non-attachment, a whole lot of courage, mm-hmm. a whole lot of joy, and these. Uh, what I just mentioned, they in total, and some I didn't name, are the virtues of the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And it's very unlikely that a person's soul child doesn't have all of those virtues on some level, because all of them come from a pure soul. Now I realize that everybody's soul type has their own. Unique. constellation mm-hmm. of of soul qualities. Mm-hmm. But if you want to really enact purity of your soul, if you really want to embrace your innocence, for example, your truthfulness, your courage, then if you go within to that treasure chest of soul qualities we call the soul child, it is living there. It is ready to be remembered and accessed and lived out again. I I would think that to some maybe kind of crusty old adults, that might be a little bit surprising to think that down inside of them is a well of virtues that they have access to, especially virtues that they may feel really disconnected from, like courage. Yes, being crusty (laughs) um, removes us from the vulnerability Mm. of of the soul child. Uh uh And in our crustiness, we don't avail ourselves of the power that we think crustiness gives us. Yeah, that safety, that that security, that somehow that we delude ourselves into thinking that the ego gives us. Yeah. Yeah. And it does give us a, a, a you know, a little power, uh-huh. but it doesn't give us the power of the soul. Uh-huh. The power of love is the most powerful. It It's power. interesting to me when we talk about the soul that it is... It is very hard to get away from the truth that this soul is divine. You know, we, we can't help but bring in the spiritual aspect because, you know, when, when you started being intrigued by this concept, yes, it was your personal interest. You know, you read a book and you were listening to renowned teachers talk about it. But at the end of the day, it was, what is this part about me that's true, that's going to live forever, that's going to live after I die? Where did I come from and where am I going? Those are age-old questions, right? And to find out that they may be simply answered in this truth of the soul child is quite an epiphany. Yeah. Really? So, I love it in, in the book that you point out that 
without being immersed in thought, our soul child simply expressed three divine aspects of God, overflowing love, divine intelligence, and immortal being. I mean, I'm really grateful for the qualities of the soul, whatever they may be for for different essences. But the fact that we all have access in our very nature to overflowing love. I mean, we we don't see a lot of overflowing love in many of the places that we look today or divine intelligence that could maybe solve many of the world's problems that we have or you know, we're all looking for immortality, and yet none of us are going to live forever on this planet. So, where did this sentence come from here in this book, Joe, that you identified these as fundamentally part of the the soul, these three aspects? Well, the honest truth is I heard them, but I can't remember uh-huh. where I heard them. Okay. But they resonate, resonated so deeply within me. Uh, immortal spirit, overflowing love, and divine intelligence. And the more I began to look at them and feel them, I understood that each one of those represents one of the centers of intelligence. Okay. Immortal being, the body center. Okay. You are no longer captured in a body. You transcend the body. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Into being. Uh-huh. Which is the real essence of life anyway. It's being. And then overflowing love is the heart center. Uh-huh. And once the heart is overflowing with love, then all of the toxic emotions of that center are healed. Sometimes it takes a lifetime. Uh-huh. But love is the antidote for the toxic feelings and the wounds of the heart. And then divine intelligence, well, that coincides with the mind center of intelligence. But divine intelligence is quite different from just mental intelligence that's measured by an IQ test. Mm -hmm. Um, I've given hundreds of IQ tests. That does not measure divine intelligence. And divine intelligence is a function of the soul. It doesn't leave the ego out of it, but the ego can't do divine intelligence on its own. Only the soul has the perception of transcendence, which is divine. I find it very interesting when I go to to various conclaves and conferences on on the Enneagram, and how so many speakers, not all of them, but a good many, shy away from this word divine, Mm -hmm. shy away from basically the spirituality of the Enneagram. And I asked one very well-respected leader in the Enneagram world why uh, they did not speak of these things? And the answer was, because it gets into religion, and everybody has their own opinions religiously. So I don't adhere to that, because I think that the egoic 
interpretation of the Enneagram is its best gift to us. Well, that's fine. And the egoic Enneagram of personality is a a wonderful map of who we are. But I remind everybody that Oscar Echazo had a solution for the problems of the egoic personalities on the Enneagram of personality. And his solution was the holy ideas. Wow. And how those holy ideas get re-labeled or maybe kind of brushed aside or maybe the holy ideas are kind of just mentioned but not given a full billing. In that, I believe we are missing some of the gift that Oscar gave us. Okay. The holy ideas are actually the perception of each soul child when they were soul children. For example, what is your holy idea? Mine is unconditional love. Yeah. Yeah. Love. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when you were a little soul child of three, at three, Mm -hmm. that's where you were born. Yes. You knew that the world was love and everything was made of it. But when you detached from that, you went to sleep at nine as your ego sleeps on life instead of interacts with it. Mm -hmm. But in order to get back to three, your holy idea reminds you of what you disconnected from. Mm -hmm. I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To remember love Mm -hmm. in all of its unconditional aspects and all of its active and passive and every way that it can be expressed physically, emotionally, mentally. That is your antidote for the suffering at nine mm-hmm. of having gone to sleep okay. on life. And you can take every one of those ego types on the Enneagram of personality, and their holy idea is a bridge back to their soul type, mm-hmm. their type of integration, their heart point or soul point, what what have you. It's It's got different names mm-hmm, according mm-hmm. to different interpretations. But nobody can argue with the fact that Ichazo mapped out holy ideas that reference the cosmos, universal laws, powers that run and underpin all things, thought, and activity, and all human endeavor. So transcendence and the divine, if you will, was built in to the Enneagram personality. So to me, our job, our mission, should we choose (laughs) to accept it, Mm -hmm. 
is to take this and begin to heal the world with it. Mm-hmm. Not only on the individual level, but the collective level. Because unless this world begins to agree on how to save the planet, then it will surely, because of factionalism, divide and die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because the problems we're facing is going to take a critical mass of people who are conscious and who understand what's at stake now and who want to make a plan for saving this planet. Mm-hmm. They also know the ego itself cannot come up with that plan. It's got to transcend the ego. So the work of consciousness and the work we do at ICB is just one facet of a worldwide effort to help people raise consciousness or come to consciousness or uh, break down the barriers that are between them and the the universe Mm -hmm. to take away the egoic notion that we do better in our separate pods living in our own ways consciousness knows that there are no islands Mm -hmm. no person is an island no country is an island because we are all intrinsically interconnected Mm -hmm. not to understand that is to further disintegration individually and corporately or collectively. So this little soul child thing is not a little play toy. It's the way to enter the world of connection like little children know how to connect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course, some are very shy, but through eye contact and through play, very few children do not find a way to connect. Yeah. Because, you see, their egos haven't developed to the point that they have erected boundaries. Mm-hmm. And ego psychology tells us about boundaries and that they're needed, but the soul knows no boundaries. Mm-hmm. It thinks that you are part of it. Yes, yes. And what's yours is theirs, and theirs is yours. Mm-hmm. Kids don't have talks about politics or religion or <laughs> or race relations or, you know, they they just are who they are. And I think it's so beautiful. One of the things I actually really love about the Enneagram is how it is a conversation that you really can have with anyone. It really doesn't matter what their culture is or their religion. I find it to be a really unifying conversation to introduce the concepts because they are common to everyone. It's a really a common denominator. And, and obviously I don't, I don't think it's the only way to, to work a path to consciousness, but it is certainly an available one. And though it can be presented irrespective of religion, it is absolutely spiritual work. I don't think we can get away from that. I agree totally in that. So. Well, so as we close out today, Dr. Joe, I am going to invite our listening audience to turn with us in the book, Becoming Conscious, page 223. There is a prayer that you wrote called A Prayer for My Soul Child. And I only think it 
fitting that we would close out today's podcast with you leading us in this prayer. I'd be glad to. Oh God, I have lost a part of myself. It is missing, long gone into an abyss of silent darkness. The veils of shame and knowledge drape over this pure part of me, this lost portion of my soul. I weep with grief as the veils are lifted and I see this orphaned child. Pure light is this holy being. This child of mine knows no hate or fear or rage. I see this part of me, O God, as a mortal being, overflowing love and divine mind. My God, my God, I need this little child of mine. This chaos and suffering have to end. I see the destructive pattern. I need my fully created self. Unveil my child, dear God, and through the love of Christ remember this child into my soul. Let me once again see through those deep, pure eyes which reflect your radiance. Let me come unto you as a child comes, for this is your way. Restore my soul, dear God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Real Enneagram, a podcast by the Institute for Conscious Being. To learn more about the Institute and its offerings, visit theicb.info. That's T-H-E-I-C-B dot I-N-F-O. The music for today's podcast was composed and performed by ICB faculty member Drexel Rayford.